In the ancient Celtic tribes of Ireland and Scotland, there were men who were servants to the chiefs of the tribes whose job it was to keep track of important information pertaining to the clan. Due to the fact of oral tradition and information not being written down but passed on from one person to the next, these Gaelic lords of knowledge became master storytellers. Roughly translated into modern English language, these men were known as Shinaki. Shinaki? I don't know. Shinaki. Let's say Shinaki. That sounds great. Anyways, these master storytellers would use anything within their power to convey these stories. Some Shinaki weren't part of a clan. They were actually uh, travelers that would go around from village to village, community to community, offering their skills in storytelling in exchange for food and temporary shelter, some place to sleep, maybe if they needed their clothes mended, something in exchange for what they had to offer as they traveled on foot throughout the countryside. These men were so revered and honored that oftentimes communities would have their own, what they would call village storyteller. His words meticulously planned out, the pauses, the breaks, perfectly placed, all in order to captivate the listener, keep their attention, and have them hanging on your every word. Uh, this could this could possibly be the greatest description of a skill that I do not possess. <laughs> like, at all. Maybe that's why I'm so fascinated by these Shinaki men. I'm constantly stumbling over my words, uh, forgetting small details. Oh, wait, I, I forgot that part. I need to go back. Anyways, I heard about these master storytellers actually when I was traveling to Ireland. Whenever I travel somewhere, I like to actually pick up a book, preferably a novel, uh, that takes place in the location that I'm going. So uh, we were spending some time over in Ireland, and I actually found a book called Ireland, a novel. It's a New York Times bestseller by the author Frank Delaney. If you have a chance to pick it up, I highly recommend it. It's such a great read. It's so captivating. While I was reading this book about one of these master storytellers, it made me realize a belief I actually have. I believe that they're shinicky all around us. If we're willing to stop and listen, I mean really, truly listen, not just waiting for our turn to tell our story or our, or our waiting our turn to think about what we're going to say in response, but genuinely cultivating a sense of curiosity about the person sitting next to us. People are so fascinating. In a world of Instagram where we're always trying to put our best foot forward, I love the challenge of sitting down with someone and trying to create an atmosphere of comfort and trust. I think I, maybe that's it. Just creating an atmosphere of trust between you and the other person for them to feel like they can open up and not be judged and tell a true story of something that's happened to them. So that's it. This is my experiment. I've been collecting these stories for my own personal enjoyment and I didn't know what I was going to do with them. But as this podcast has been going along and I've been hearing your response and finding out what this is as we move forward, I think it totally fits in with the main theme of this, of cultivating a genuine sense of curiosity about other people in life. You know, in a world where we assume that the goal is to become the best storyteller we possibly can be, I wonder if it'd bring more value to our lives if we attempt to learn to be the best question askers we possibly can be. Ever since I started collecting these stories earlier this year, it's been fascinating to see how the way I view people has started to shift. I've started looking at people randomly that I meet for the first time and asking myself, I wonder what stories 
this person has inside of them. I wonder what has happened to this person that would be entertaining, hilarious, sad, or inspiring. So that's my goal with this, to share some of these crazy, interesting stories that I've come across with the hopes that it will inspire you to see people that you come in contact with for what they really are. Hidden Shinakis, secret storytellers walking among us. Ray Zafke is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. The, the sizzle in this is like, yeah, I have a sister-in-law that was married to both my brothers. It's, it's like, you know, it's like, that's a pretty good headline. I was sitting talking with Ray in a backstage green room about five months ago when he alluded to this story I'm gonna share with you right now. The second he mentioned it, I knew that I needed to sit down with him and hear it in full. So here it is, the story of a girl who married two brothers. Yeah, this is a... It's a fascinating story. But first of all, let me back it up a minute, okay? So my mom raised seven kids um, on her own. There came a point in my mom and dad's marriage where my dad was like, I'm done, which was probably good because he was uh, pretty absent. Uh, My mom lived in the Twin Cities, uh, seven kids, and then moved back up north to a small town where I grew up, Longville, Minnesota, uh, which uh, is one of those areas where it's hunting, fishing, lakes, you know, and I grew up in a town of 181 people. Anyway, so I grew up in a small town, and then my mom did part-time job after part-time job because she'd never had a driver's license. She'd never had an education beyond 10th grade, quit school and uh, just struggled personally because of some things that happened in her youth. Uh, One of which was when her mom, uh, my grandma, when my grandmother had had gotten divorced from my grandfather, which was really interesting back in the 40s, early 40s. That was that was like death and like divorce was like a scarlet letter. Totally. And my mom, I, I can remember the story she told multiple times that my grandma was in such a bad spot that she actually tried to commit suicide and including her two daughters one of which was my mom turned the oven on with the gas not the not the heat just turned the gas on in the stove and held the girls and it was like life was so bad that that was it and they wanted to end their life so so i mean that's my mom at like 10 years old yeah. That takes its toll. And your grandma was like, if I'm going out, they're going with me. Right. Uh, can't imagine what was going through her mind. Did she ever? Did you ever hear stories of her trying to like take herself out before taking no. everyone with her? It's just no, like, I, it was one of those. group thing. No. Yeah. It's not necessarily anything that anybody would ever talk about. Those are the yeah. things that, I mean, you don't talk about mental illness. Right. So anyway, that that happened. And if it wasn't for them screaming and a neighbor or, or somebody that was close to the house heard that and interrupted the whole process, you know, I'd have never happened. My siblings, my mom. Um, so I heard him, ran in and what, pulled him out? So somebody came in and saved him. And uh, so, I mean, my grandma really struggled. And the other story that we t- kind of talked about was... How did you hear about this story? My mom. Like she, she, your mom told you later... Yeah. Yeah, this isn't just, something like Thanksgiving. Hey, mom, tell me this no. about grandma. <laughs> no. What's really interesting is my mom came to stay at our house for a while. And this was, man, this could have been 10 or 15 years ago. And then uh, since she didn't drive, I'm like, I would pick my mom up. She came and stayed with us for a while. So my youngest son and I were b- driving her back up north three, three and a half hours to go home. 
And that drive home, I found out more history, and my son found out more history about our family than we wanted to really know. So I haven't scratched the surface, dude. Yeah. That drive? Yeah. yeah, I wonder what it was about that drive that just, I just felt like opening up. Right. Well, here's the deal. The, the most beautiful thing about a drive with somebody is you don't have to look somebody in the eye. And all of a sudden, stories start to come out. You can ask yeah. questions. And you can kind of hide behind the fact that a conversation side by side is a lot easier to have. Particularly with men. Because it's really difficult to get into a man's heart and understand what's really going on. Yeah. Go for a drive. Go for a walk. Don't look yeah. him in the eye because there's this intimidation thing yeah. and the pride that gets away in the way. So, anyways, that was our drive. Okay, so you, is this before this, this is this drive? Is this before everything goes down with your brothers? No, no, no. I've known about that for years. I mean, okay. that was one of those things that. It's just like you knew about it, but no one talked about it. Well, no. I mean, you didn't have to. Yeah. It is what it is. The challenge there was is that my um, my oldest brother and uh, well he, there's a pretty big separation. My mom had six kids in eight years, and then nine years later I happened. So I always tease my siblings about the fact that I was the only planned one. Um, I was definitely a mistake. But um, so my brothers and sisters were all nine years older than me, and, and nine to sixteen years older than me. So I was like the, I was the tag along for everything. Growing up as a kid, it was awesome because I had six siblings and whatever they were doing, whichever thing I wanted to do, I would just go with them. Uh, interestingly enough, as my mom was working through different jobs and stuff, uh, she couldn't afford daycare. Uh, there, and there are many different times of the year where a basket of food would just show up on our doorstep because we just couldn't afford anything. And uh, and for me, being a one-year-old kid, that even that first Christmas, the stories that my siblings tell is they went without so that the baby could have a gift. And that was me. My oldest brother, uh, his name yeah. was Scott. Scott. But nobody knew that was his name. From the time that he was young, everybody called him by his nickname, and his nickname was Coot. 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 C-O-O-T. <laughs> like the bird. It's like a little duck thing, right? Yes. A little waterfall? Okay. He'd killed a coot with a paddle once in a canoe, and that, he's, that nickname stuck. And then Coot had the kind of lifestyle where when he was 16, he ended up moving out of the house and lived with a bunch of dudes in an old logging shack with a wood floor. Which, what you do when your name's Coot. Sure. And also, this was uh, the year I was born. Uh, and this this could be a fable, it could be a real thing, but he went to Woodstock. He was 16. Summer 69. And so, I mean, the, the lifestyle that he led as a teenager that was 16 without a dad and with a mom who was trying to tend to seven kids, he could pretty much do whatever he wanted. So You're right he, in the middle. Yeah. So he went down a really tough road. And in the process, um, uh, my other brother had a girlfriend and as they had dated and you know things are getting pretty serious but um and again they were they were almost all adults at that point he decided to go into the army and um so he did so he went into the army and kind of broke off his relationship with her and in the years that he was in the army she ended up getting into a relationship with my other brother and they got married while he's out in the army yeah and they'd broken up so she went with my older brother and then they got married and um the but it didn't work out you know he uh he was not a responsible adult 
there was a lot of abuse, there was a lot of lifestyle decisions that he had made that was not healthy for a marriage, for a relationship, for an individual. And I think my sister-in-law knew that, and uh, by the time that my other brother had come out of the service, this was much more of a rescue mission because she was just in such a bad situation. They had a young son, but it was just not healthy. So she left my brother, they got divorced, and then uh, over a period of time, the relationship rekindled with my other brother and she married him. Now, really? So the, the sizzle in this is like, yeah, I have a sister-in-law that was married to both my brothers. <laughs> It's, it's like, you know, it's like, that's a pretty good headline. But the reality is, is I had one brother that just did not live life the right way. And he screwed it up because she's an amazing individual. And she and my other brother. Um, Who is also an awesome individual. Is he cool? He's an incredible man. He's somebody that I admire, that I look up to. Uh, he, he's the kind of guy that you could interview. Uh, we just may need to censor things. Because he has no filter whatsoever, uh, even though people would say that about me. Um, but, you know, this has no filter either. Right. They, they have three kids. He's got an amazing life. He's owned his own business. And for 30 years, he's been a contractor independently doing the most amazing work in the homes and properties that he builds for in a very small area where he's never spent any money in advertising because he never has to worry about getting enough business. So uh, he's just an incredible man. And his wife, my sister-in-law, is fantastic. And they've been married... Man, it must be over 30 years. So, it's like the first part, the first part of that story. It's almost like it didn't exist. You hear that, yeah. Right. Now, how is that relationship? Is that, do like the four of you hang out? Will you guys be in the same room? It killed that relationship. So the difference of, you know, they of two brothers that it's never going to be the same. And, you know... So it never was. Yeah. So the there was a few polite instances where they might have been in the same room, but for the next 30 years or whatever it was, they both missed out on a lot because there were some amazing things about each of them as individuals. But it was uh, kind of that typical story of the prodigal son that just never came back. That was Coot. Yeah. And still to this day. Yeah, he died. Oh, I'm sorry. It's alright, I didn't do it. No, <laughs> <laughs> no he, he died mowing the lawn. But he had this lifestyle. Of course he did. Of course, it's, of course yeah, he did. He died mowing the yeah. lawn. And, but when you smoke two to three packs a day, and you've smoked something else almost every day of your life, and taken other drugs and gone down dark roads, um, his heart just couldn't take it. Stunned. And that was the choices he made in his own life. Hey guys, this is Rob with just a quick note before you head off into your week. I just wanted to say a huge thank you, a massive thank you to any of you that have rated, commented, or subscribed to this podcast on iTunes. Also, thank you to those of you that have reached out to me and shared your stories of how these interviews or some of these conversations have impacted you, have inspired you. Man, that has been so awesome to hear. If you have a story you'd like to share with me, head over to thecuriouspod.com slash contact, and I'd love to hear your stories or any just questions you may have for me. Hey, while you're over there, if you want to check out show notes for this or any of the other interviews I've done or contact info for this guest or any of the others, head over to thecuriouspod.com for any of that. 
And also, I'm really pumped about this. We have a map right there on the front of the website that shows all the locations that these interviews and conversations have taken place. It's pretty cool. You can click on it. You can see where these have done. If you want to go visit them, if you've heard something you like and you want to go check it out for yourself, that's right there. Or you can just check it out at thecuriouspod.com slash map or just right there on the front of the website. I'll show. I'll show. <laughs> also, if you want to reach out to me on social media or follow me anywhere, pretty much everything online is the Rob Morgan at the Rob Morgan, whatever. You, 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 you know the drill. All right. Enough of that nonsense. All this podcasting has made me thirsty. You know, (laughs) I am so pumped that I do not have to deal with sponsors for this podcast or else I'd have to tell you, podcasting makes me thirsty and nothing quenches a podcast thirst, whether you're listening, uh, interviewing, editing, recording, listening to something unrelated to a podcast, nothing quenches of thirst like a Guinness. Hey, Hofi, can I steal you for a second? Do you have anything you want to say about Guinness? I'd like to take a minute to thank Guinness because it truly is made of more. That's all. All right. That's it. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love that crap. All right. Have a great week. See you next Tuesday. Anything else? Thanks for being here. (laughs) (laughs) Say the most random thing you can think of. Yell it. I got nothing. The only word I can think of is formaldehyde. (laughs) Perfect.